and welcome to the Saturday Night Podcast. He's Chris Marlin. I am Tom Aguero. The final four is set. The Duke Zions are not going to be a part of the final four, but Michigan State, Texas Tech, Virginia, and Auburn, they are. Everybody predicted that, of course. Um, that was so close. Yeah, we were really, really close. I think we had a combined zero final four teams. Uh, excuse me. I don't know. Michigan State? What do you always do this? I had Texas oh. Tech, I had Duke, and I had I had Kentucky. I was like, I was I was in second place at the start of the morning, sir. I think you're still in second place in ours, but I was more. I, I forgot that you had Texas Tech. You're right. That's yeah. that's, that's on me. My bad. Um, you were smart to see that the Red Raiders, of course, the basketball power, um, was going to be able to put this run together. That's kind of the, the amazing thing about this. But the actually the most amazing thing about this Final Four field, the Pac-12 gets left out of another playoff. Shocking. I am stunned, for one. Um, cannot believe it. We have a lot to get to yeah. today. Of course, we're going to talk about the Auburn run, beating Kentucky in what turned out to be like an SEC championship to get to the Final Four, which is kind of crazy in itself. Um, Auburn's. We're going to talk about Auburn's path to, to Minneapolis, just kind of put it in perspective, compare it to kind of debunk the the, the belief that it's like a Cinderella team, because right. I, I don't really think it is, but... Uh, we're going to get into some stuff about just the weekend in general, how you know the Tennessee-Purdue game, the way that game played out and all that. And then we're going to cool. talk about what this meant for the SEC, get to some over-unders, and we still have predictions and way too early predictions, right. I should say. I should say that we can totally change if we decide to. Um, and then we also got some fourth and wrong to get to. So before we do all that, I've mentioned Auburn fans on this, on this ad every single time because I, I try to think to myself, what is the Auburn fan base going to look like? What is the Auburn contingency going to look like with this Smug, road traveling rude, thing? condescending. <laughs> Toilet paper coming Toilet out of the Toilet paper coming now. everywhere. Uh, now, once they get done uh, rolling Tumor's Corner, they are probably going to be making their way up to Minneapolis. I would assume so, because Auburn in the Final Four has never happened before. Bucket list material for all those diehard Auburn basketball fans. I know you're out there. I'm, not actually, I'm actually not being sarcastic when I say that. Y'all are out there. I, I firmly believe Final that. Final four damn eagle. They were represented very, very well. I know that if you're an Auburn fan and you're looking to get up to Minneapolis, a little bucket list trip, you need to do so on TicketCity.com. Make sure that you are getting all of your tickets. Maybe you're just a fan in the Minneapolis area and you listen yeah. to us every week because we know there are a lot of SEC fans up there in the Twin Cities. P.J. Fleck can't convert them. They're still listening to SEC content. Just saying. Yeah. Um, I think that Auburn fans are going to be all over TicketCity.com to be getting their tickets. I think that all locals are going to be all over TicketCity.com to be getting their tickets. Let's talk about Auburn, it. Auburn, you're going to love Minneapolis. Minneapolis, this time of year, beautiful. Beautiful Beautiful. City. Warm. Mall of America. Mall of America. There's, a, there's an Annie M's pretzel thing there. You could do the Build-A-Bear, which is pretty cool. Uh, what else? I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do in Minneapolis. I, favorite thing to do at a mall, by the way, is free sample laps. Free sample laps all day. <laughs> it's amazing. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Just go to a Costco, right. you weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I could probably do that too. Um, Auburn, to get to the Final Four and to do what it has done is just unbelievable. I mean, we're, we're running out of words to say on SDS. We've been talking about it all week, but just what they did over the weekend, not only to beat UNC and to beat them like a drum, but then to come out and beat Kentucky with a healthy P.J. Washington. Now, if P.J. Washington's not playing, I don't think we're talking about Auburn in the same light. It's kind of like, ah, well, you know, things set up really well for him. And, yeah, the UNC win happened, but, you know, they they get they, they got lucky that they got to face Kentucky not at full strength. That didn't happen. That was unbelievable what we watched today for them to be able to hang tough in overtime and win that game. 
Yeah, it was. It sure was, Connor. It's all fun and games, and you're predicting them to win the SEC tournament a couple weeks ago, and then next thing you know, they catch fire, and they're in the damn Final Four. So you know how people say, like players say, um, nobody believed in us, nobody yeah. believed in us. You provided the opposite. This is the you worst. You believed in this all, them. This is all my fault. Yes, no, you I did mean, this to yourself. It was, it was an incredible run. And you know what's funny? I thought about this a little bit earlier. Um, so look, I, I was looking at these lines, and I was like, the only line I like today is Kentucky money line. Like it's 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 over minus two hundred. So you like you you know it's not great odds, but like that's the only like surefire bet I'm seeing. And right after that decision was made, I got a text from a friend that was like, "Hey, buddy from Vegas, play of the year, Michigan State plus two, Auburn plus four and a half." And I was like, "Cool, awesome, I'm gonna go jump off this balcony," and wow. uh, and that happened. Um, which is, which is, I mean, like, it's cool for them, but what I was talking about, I was talking about Allie earlier, and it was, what's crazy about this run in, like, specifically just for the, the, for March Madness, not even the SEC tournament. Remember, it was only a couple weeks ago that we were sitting here bitching and moaning about how bad their seed was and how unfair it was. Yeah, and that's, and that's part of it, too. We're going to get to this with, uh, when we talk about just kind of their path to, to get to this point and really kind of put it into perspective, but... This is a team that now winners of twelve in a row. I mean, I'm losing count with yeah. how many that they've lost, but you know, it's almost the whole football I, season. It's it it really is like I, I knew that. if we were going to talk about Auburn in the first ten minutes, there was going to be a football reference there. Um, but to do it like where okay, Chumo Kiki goes out with eight minutes left in that UNC game, and you know, I remember thinking at that point, okay, if Auburn falls apart now, this is kind Makes of their sense. excuse. You would kind of like, all right, you know, you'd understand, can't really overcome that emotion. Instead, they actually built the lead right. from that point they extended, on. extended, yeah. And then everybody sees him, you know, in the wheelchair. By the way, shout out to that Kentucky fraternity for putting up that totally classless picture of him um, saying, like, oh, Kiki, um, are you riding, like, on the wheelchair? Oh, like, God. Worst thing in the world. Like, Kentucky fans, you're better than that. At the, to the ones who actually did that. They're not listening. Yeah. But whatever. So... They have to play that game without him. Right. And you, we find out over the weekend that P.J. Washington is going to be healthy for this game. So you're kind of thinking, all right, these things are going in the wrong direction here yeah. in terms of just the, the type of things that you would want from an injury standpoint. And then everything that Auburn could have done in the event that it wasn't going to be on fire shooting, it did. I mean, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown combined for 50 points. In the second half. That first so half was rough. The first half was rough. So I'm going to take you through my eyes of watching this. I had, when Auburn was beating UNC, I was like, oh, wow. This sets up better for my bracket, at least, or for like my potential picks. Because you had Kentucky I, winning I had Kentucky winning it all. And I thought, I was like, I, I, at one point in the first two rounds, I thought UNC was the best. They looked the best. And you look at their season, you know, they beat Duke twice. The other one, they lost by one. That's like a fully healthy Duke team. They, they seemed like with the kind of offense they ran, just the amount of shots they put up. I didn't feel like anybody was going to be able to beat them. and Because you have to stay with them. You have to stay hot. And Auburn provided a pretty good matchup with them just because like, they have been very similar and they've been on fire. But when Okiki went down, I was like, oh, my gosh, Auburn will still win this game most likely. But setting up the next round, like I hate to say it because you don't ever want to see anybody injured, but that's a perfect matchup for Kentucky because now one of their most mm-hmm. vital players. Because Okiki, he, he wasn't as great during the regular season, but he has been incredible in the postseason. Unreal. And so it was, you look at that and like, and like you said, like they're going opposite directions with PJ Washington coming back and that first half, man, Bryce Brown was off. Bryce Brown was his two threes in the first minute of the game. Um, I thought everything was, was just going Kentucky's way. I just, I I thought it was a no brainer. 
And Kentucky, I, I saw the stat that people kept throwing around on social media. Kentucky was 27-0 and when leading by double digits at any point right. during the game. And so they get out to that 11-point lead in the first half, and you're like, all right, th- this is kind of, the, and I think even Brandon Marcello was tweeting, this is the matchup nightmare that we thought it right. could possibly be. Kentucky's length is really bothering Auburn. They don't have the size to be able to hang with them on the inside. And then all of a sudden, you kind of look up and you're like, wait a minute, Auburn's down three right now. They've made like three threes. Bryce Brown hasn't got going yet. Jared Harper hasn't got going yet. That's a bad sign for Kentucky, considering how much Kentucky has struggled offensively. And P.J. Washington playing out of his freaking yeah. mind was the only way points. that Kentucky was even in that game. So, And I, and I had the, the ignorant um, view of it at first, because I was like, I, at one point I looked up and it was, there was less than five minutes ago in the first half, and both teams were two of ten from three. Both teams. And I was like, man, like that's Kentucky hasn't even gotten going yet, and they're, they're still up by this many points. And then I started looking at it, I was like, I was like, oh God, Auburn hasn't really even gotten going yet. Like there's like Auburn I could see them getting like streaky where like they might have like a bad half like they ended up like they had today. But I think with the way they're shooting the ball and the way they've been playing, there's no way you could sit there and think they would they would keep that going the entire game. And they didn't. I mean they came out in the first like I, I came back from like I think going to get like coffee or something like that, and it was like two minutes into the the second half and they were already up three and I was like, What the hell just happened? Yeah, so just out of curiosity, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think Auburn shot three, from three-point range against Kentucky today? Um, I, they probably had at least 23 attempts. I think they had about, I think they had like exactly 20. But okay. what do you think percentage-wise they shot? I would probably say 45%. 30%. 30%. Jeez. 30%. That is the thing that's unbelievable about this Auburn team. I came in, and I, I'm sure you probably did too, I came into this NCAA ter- tournament thinking, Auburn's going to have to catch fire to yeah. make a run. They're going to have to just be this team that shoots lights out, and teams aren't accounting for all the different shooters that they have. They get tired of playing at that pace, right. and they just fall apart. And, you know, even against Kansas, I think that was kind of confirmed, and you could still kind of have that belief. But the, this weekend has totally taken that yeah. thought out of my mind. The different type of games that Auburn has been able to win is, is unbelievable, really. I mean... Yeah. To have the presence of mind and not start forcing shots too when you know UNC is starting to pull away a little bit. And then in each of these two, like the way that they finished the first half against UNC and Kentucky and then started the second half in both of those games has been the difference in right. beating those two teams because they have been able to just sort of like sort of lull them to sleep a little bit to where they, they catch fire right at those those perfect times. And it, it isn't just necessarily from three. I mean, Bryce Brown went on that like 8-0 run by himself. By himself in the first two and a half minutes. I mean, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. It was ridiculous, but it was amazing. It's like, you know, it, it, when you it, what's crazy is like to to think about how quickly the narrative of the whole game changed because you talk about again like the, the way Kentucky's defense was playing and the way Auburn was shooting it, that is a nightmare scenario. And PJ Washington being healthy, you know, you kind of get the sense that he's going to have a huge impact in the game. But when you when like you said when you look at it, and he's had fifteen of your thirty five points in the first half. I mean, that's forty two point nine percent of your points there, Connor. That's good math. Thank you. Um, you know, he can't. You can't only rely on him because nobody else is really stepping up. Hagen's had just a miserable game. Rough day. Miserable Rough day. game. Looked so, like a freshman. But at one point, I remember looking up, and, and and Auburn was up, I think, fifty-six to fifty-two or fifty-eight to fifty-two, and I had the thought, I was like, this might be an insurmountable lead for Kentucky with the way they're shooting the ball, and it's just how quickly they can get on top. And it, that sounded weird, but like you know what I mean. <laughs> and my how the. Turntables. Turntables. Uh, no, I think, I think at the end of that game though, and I tweeted this out too. It still felt like Kentucky was going to find a way. I, I still thought in the back of my mind, Kentucky just based on what they did against Houston, and you know, two days earlier, where 
I texted you with a minute left in that game, <laughs> thinking my Houston picks looking pretty good right now. I feel myself. That's why. That's and why then, I texted you that last night about uh, whatever game it was, and I was like, man, this team's looking pretty good right now because I was hoping yeah, exactly. the exact same opposite would happen. Yeah, you had better luck with that because I was Texas Tech closing it out against Gonzaga, yeah. and my Houston pick fell apart in the last minute. But like Kentucky has just sort of been able to do this, and they did it against Wofford, where they closed right. out a close game. And you're thinking to yourself, they are just going to find a way to, to get that bucket, to get that key turnover. And I think that when uh, when Horace Spencer missed that, yeah, it was Horace Spencer who took the three at the end of regulation, right? I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Um, where Bryce Brown is like, why didn't like why didn't right. you give me back the <laughs> yeah. ball? And you know that's if if that if that ends up being the final note of this Auburn season where Auburn just falls apart in overtime, you know the, the Auburn fans will look back on that moment and just be like, oh my gosh, what are the what are right. the one of the biggest blunders we've ever had? And Peter Burns had the tweet. It just kind of felt like even after that point, that was Auburn's shot, and I agreed with him. And, and I felt I thought Kentucky was going to pull away late, and it was just going to be ah, good effort Auburn, yeah, uh, good run, but you know have have a nice day pretty much. I, I mean, I want to be very clear when I say this, and this is not a slight at Auburn fans at all. This is just you know, let it be understood because you guys know my background. I was pulling for Kentucky to win that game for my bracket and for my own pride. Um, that doesn't take away from anything that what Auburn did today. It was incredible. But let's also be fair and call it what it is. Like Kentucky, not only did they fall apart in the overtime, they were given every chance to win that game. And I say given that, like that chance, every chance to win that game over the last three, four minutes. How many trips to the free throw line do they have? Way too many. Way too many. And, I mean, Way too many. It was mind-blowing to see somebody like P.J. Washington, who I know he's only like 67% on the year or something like that, but when you're absolutely taking over a game, you're the only person in that offense. How do you keep missing the front end of one-on-ones? I remember watching, um, I, think it was, I think it was Pardon the Interruption, like 10 years ago, and I think it was when Cal was still at Memphis. And I remember him saying, you know, if I had to teach a basketball team 30 things, and just 30 skills, basic skills to be able to teach a team, I'd teach him free throw shooting 31st. Right. Like, he does How'd not prioritize free throws. Didn't work out for Derrick Rose. Yeah, that's, yeah we've, us, us uh, Chicago Bulls fans have pointed, looked back on that as like, what if Derrick Rose had just made that shot? Um, <laughs> would it have changed his psyche? But that, there's something to be said for just having these teams that, I, you know, just seemed to fall apart down the stretch. And now Kentucky, in four straight years, which this is something for Kentucky, has not been to a Final Four. Right. And first six years that Cal was in Lexington, they went to four. And now the one-and-done, because Duke lost as well, the one-and-done era is just getting slammed. And we know we think that's going to change in the next couple of years, obviously. But I'm curious what Kentucky fans feel about this team because – you know, P.J. Washington was a sophomore. You know, Reed Travis was a grad transfer. And I understand that they had guys, their freshmen suffered. I mean, as we yeah. talked about, their freshmen were not good. Tyler Hero, I thought, was going to be much better. Jeez. It just seems like he didn't have the gas on the offensive end to be able to get going. He was kind of chasing Bryce Brown around, and there's just not a whole lot I thought he played decent defense on Bryce Brown the second half. Brown, Brown just hit defender. everything. <laughs> like, he just, yeah. it was, there was nothing really he could do. But, yeah, I mean, offensively, you saw it. in the, like, the, the, I don't know how many possessions in a row we saw somebody go – like, just dribble down out to the baseline, dump it in to, to B.J. Washington, and then clear out and let him go to work. That was the whole offense. And I get it, though. Yeah. I get it. I, I thought they could have gone into Reed Travis a little bit more. I thought he could have had some more touches in there. Uh, credit Austin Wiley, who – Austin Wiley offensively, oh, boy, man. He throws – he that, that guy, uh, touch, not exactly his thing, but no. defensively, you got to give him credit. How you gotta many give blocks the did Auburn have? It seemed like a lot. Anthony McLemore was – 
everywhere. And the one that um the one that Dunbar had on that on chase the, on, down. Oh, I guess, oh, I guess the backboard. Gosh. I started to tweet out from the SDS account, which would have been bad, but I was like, I think I think Malik Dunbar just murdered somebody. And then I was like, as I was typing it, I was like, oh, I can't do that because somebody will read this and be like, he did what? Ain't no way he should be playing in this game, man. <laughs> no, but it was it was crazy. Can we also bring this up real quick? It has nothing to do with the game. Ian Eagle, the guy announcing the game. Ian Eagle. Dude, Ian what? Eagle. And that is even worse. Of course, that makes sense. Ian Eagle. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So that guy, he made a train lyric reference. He made a Macklemore rap song reference. And he yep. also said, what was the other one that was so bad? He referenced The Wire. The Wire, yeah. He said that Jared Harper looks like, uh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, he's he like, he looks like so-and-so from The Wire. And the guy was like, <laughs> okay, Bob, uh, we'll keep it moving here. And he was like, he's like, I'll show you off screen. Uh, anyway, back to the game. It's like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> Anyway. Ian. I actually thought some of his calls were, were really, really funny throughout. Uh, it looked, that all I could think of the, the whole time was that, that dog gif where he's like like looking out of the side. Like, did you hear what I said? <laughs> <laughs> so um, getting back to, to Auburn's path to Minneapolis. We don't have to. <laughs> we, we need to talk about it because they become the second team in NCAA tournament history to beat Kansas, Kentucky, and UNC in the same tournament. Uh, the only team to ever do that was 97 Arizona. That team won a national title. Oof. I would argue that maybe that Arizona team was a four seed. I think they beat one one of those teams by double digits, maybe two. I'm not sure. But the fact that Auburn like destroyed Kansas, destroyed UNC, uh, and then you know to win the way that they did in overtime against Kentucky. You know, I think that that just kind of all plays into this. This really being, it's not a Cinderella team. Loyola Chicago was a Cinderella team. Yeah, I went back, back up I, off that. Anybody saying that Auburn's a Cinderella, like to me, that that that's got to fade. And I don't know. They how were many a top ten team in November when they were a top yeah. ten team, and then everyone was talking about how like like they kept falling in like the in the rankings for the most part. They were unranked for a while. Yeah, and they, you know, they didn't get back into the rankings until the very end of the season right. when they beat Tennessee, and then they go into the SEC tournament as a top twenty-five team. But this is a team that coming into the year we thought had a ton of potential, but they just took a long time to figure it out. Yeah. And I was curious at what the the paths of Loyola Chicago, who was last year Cinderella, and then South Carolina was a Cinderella the year before that. I think we can agree on that. Frank Martin's team that reached the Final Four. Um, so Loyola Chicago's path to get to the Final Four. They beat six seed Miami, three Buzzer seed Tennessee, beater. seven seed Nevada, eight seed Kansas. There's not a top two team in in that region that they that they had to beat. They beat Miami on a buzzer beater, Tennessee on a buzzer beater. Um, Nevada was close. I think those three games were combined four points that they won by, yeah. and then they blew out Kansas State. Yeah, so that, that happened. Yeah, that was in Atlanta. That's that, when I saw Sister Jean. Exactly. Oh, that's right. Your your famous encounter with her. That's right. So. The, to me, like that's a little bit more of okay. You could point to a, ba- a bus bucket here, bucket there. You're not doing that with, with Auburn. No. I understand the first round game where they collapse, and yeah, if the guy just taking the layup instead of passing the guy for the three on New Mexico State, whatever. Like that's that's part of it. I get that. Really, if you just take out 73 seconds from Auburn's four games so far, yeah, it's unbelievable. Total it it really, really is. So 2017 South Carolina, because these are where some of the, maybe some of the comps are going to come in because it's a surprise SEC team, you know, football crazed school. Um, and I, I went back and looked back at South Carolina's path as well. And they beat number 10 seed Marquette in the first round and then number two seed Duke in the second round. But as you remember, that game was basically a home game for South Carolina. And that Duke team, I, I still think was flawed. I still think it was flawed. I love when people say that like, well, it's a home game for South Carolina. It wasn't fair to Duke. Screw Duke. Like, like, I'm just saying, like, it was like it was in Greenville, which is like not that far for Duke. I'm, I'm not sliding at you. I'm just saying, like in general, like 
True. I don't care if it's a home game or not. You're Duke, and this is South Carolina. Who they have on the team? Steven Garcia, was he on the team? Was Alshon Jeffrey on the team? They were. They probably were, yeah. That's fair. Don't you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steven Garcia was running point up there. <laughs> Why? I would never take a charge against Steven Garcia. No. Let me just say no. that. Um, so they beat 2-seed uh, Duke, 3-seed uh, Baylor, and then 4-seed Florida. By the way... That was the only time in the last 30 years, besides this you know, Auburn-Kentucky game, that two SEC teams faced each other in Elite Eight right. or later. Which, that's interesting in itself, and we'll get to that a little bit more when we talk Weird about Weird y'all just keep trying to cannibalize us as a conference so we can't get two teams to the damn Final forward like we do in the playoffs every year. <laughs> NCAA, unreal. I, I, I think that you were not the only person to say that. I mean, At I was kidding, point. but I'm sure, actually, now that I think about it, somebody I know. probably did say that. Somebody said that. Somebody said, why, did, why did Kentucky and Auburn have to face you? Well, How come the NCAA know. hates the SEC? That's my question. <laughs> so I, I think I, I look at that, and to me, it just makes it that much more amazing that Auburn has has won, won convincingly against three teams that, I mean, my goodness, in any given year, yeah, Kansas, UNC, you know, Kentucky, Final Four, National Championship, all that stuff. So... That, that is what's going to separate this, and we're going to look back on this being really, really impressed because this isn't just the feel of a team that hit a last-second buzzer beater, had this great like one-march moment. This has been dominant. This has been really impressive what they've been able to do, and I, I think that, that just, that's something that is worth discussing throughout this week yeah. leading up to this game. I mean, I, I'm not completely trying to make a joke here. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not used to seeing Auburn do stuff like this without there being some kind of bull blank miracle involved like i like i was watching this and i was like this is going to come down to some bolt like like at some point there's going to be like a tip shot and it's going to it's like going to somehow be like behind the backboard but it'll go off somebody's head and then bounce in and auburn will win the game by like a like one point and no they're just dominating people it's miserable you know what I think was Auburn's miracle was Me. the guy who passed up the layup and passed yeah. it to the guy on the three-point line. New That's Mexico. your miracle. Whatever. I mean, just give New Mexico back as a state. I mean, land of enchantment, my my A. Whoa, Breaking Bad. Let's come on. Yeah, I kind of overreacted on that one. No, but I mean, like this is this was like a, a, a heated debate on on Alabama Twitter <laughs> for the people in the state that have the internet. And um, I, this is why, like, this is why I, I'm happy for Auburn. I'm, like, congrats. Like, tip of the cap. Like, respect. Like, like it's. This is an incredible run, and in no way like will I take away from that at all. Because, you know, like I said, like I predicted what was going to happen in the tournament, all that kind of stuff. I, I, you could kind of see this coming. Like, but this is why I don't like cheering for rivals, and I don't understand people that do. Because, in no way, I like people that I understand we're an SEC podcast, and I, I, what's good for the whole conference is good for, or good for like, yeah, good for the conference, like good for, for us and everything like that. And it's fun to see the SEC, SEC have success. But if you're a Bama fan pulling for Auburn, that doesn't make any sense to me necessarily because it couldn't, it does nothing, nothing for your program. And when you talk about it, like it's different in football versus I think basketball, because people don't think it's like that, you know, it's not as big of a deal as football, which it's not. But at the same time, like think about where these two programs are headed. That I would say is the bigger part. Of yeah, this. you're in, in like in right now. You have a brand new head coach because you said to fire another guy, and you have three players in the transfer portal that uh, I think two of them were starters. So at what point would you think it's a good idea to cheer for your arch rival that is could not be trending in a more opposite direction? Here's an interesting question: Who, which fan base is this tougher on? Tennessee or Bama? Watching Bruce Pearl, 
going oh. to the Final Four with Auburn. I don't Bama. know how Tennessee fans like, but there is that element to this. But, knowing that this Tennessee team was was close, and you know the way that, yeah. that Bruce Pearl obviously left, that would be that would be tough too. I guess from a more general standpoint, watching your rival do. But anything Tennessee's is had success. Difficult. That's true. You know what I mean? That's like they, they've had they like they got bounced early last year, like we talked about with Loyola. But like, you know, they had a, they had thirty one wins this year. That's the tie for the most they've ever had in program history. I mean, it hurts the way it ended, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, Bama fans are just we're irrational anyway. But this is like I, I've never understood this. Like, if it doesn't help your program, and, and specifically in this instance, they could not be trending in more opposite directions. Do you think that a uh, subject like this is going to rub certain comedians the wrong way, and they're maybe going to get a little bit <laughs> I'm not, bent out of shape? I'm not going to get into that. Media? But this is not funny anymore, is it, man? Oh, 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 that was, okay. I see what you did there. And you said wordplay is not your strong suit. I've never said that. Okay, maybe I said that. Um, the whole weekend in, in general, though, I, I thought it turned out to be great. And and a lot of people coming in were saying, oh, you know, we're not getting the buzzer beaters. It's chalky. It's a weak field. And some people then, after watching this weekend and the way that it played out, were such an entertaining yeah. way, they said, well, that's the benefit of having chalk because you see these high-power games. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know about y'all, but I watched Michigan shoot about 4% Ugh. from the field against Texas Tech, and I think any mid-major in America could have done what Michigan 42, did. what did they have, 42 points or 44 points? I think I think they got to 44. That is, that is pathetic. It was 4-4, four to four, like eight minutes into that game. There was like six minutes left, and it was like, is Michigan going to break 40? Right. I, think? I mean, th- yeah, that was that was tough to watch. But I mean, I guess like as a society in general, we're just so <laughs> miserable now. It's like, entertain me, entertain me. And yeah, like the final four or the uh, the first first round wasn't great, and like the second round did that did kind of suck. in terms of like, besides the UCF Duke game, when you have mm-hmm. all sixteen favorites win for the first time in you know thirty plus years, but like this was I don't care if it was chalk or if somebody was rated higher. This was an awesome weekend. That Purdue Tennessee great. game. Like I've now I will say this after I got off my soapbox there from the all, the whole Auburn thing. I don't know why, but I I was very much emotionally affected by that Tennessee loss. That pissed you know, me off. That that kind of bothered me in that I didn't feel like you know, I like watching Tennessee. I've been I've made no secrets about that. I, I like watching Tennessee as much as anybody in the country. That includes watching Zion. I know that sounds weird, but I think Admiral Schofield is the man, the mythological yeah. Zion Zion? I don't know how to pronounce it. Warrior uh, Princess. Maybe it's just Zon. The I is silent. Zia Zena. Uh, Zena, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um but I loved watching Tennessee these last two years. I just think the Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, yeah. that combination, the unselfishness, as we've talked about many times. <laughs> so seeing that, yeah. oh, what's the over-under on that? 8.5. We, we covered um, it. <laughs> yeah. I just think that watching that run end without them getting to have, you know, this this big, like, hurrah moment, it was just kind of, it was kind of tough because you, you always thought that they were kind of destined for a little bit more. And I thought maybe the way that they got through that Iowa game, it was going to happen. But then to come all the way back against Purdue – and then to just not not be able to put it together in overtime was that w- that was tough to watch. I think for those who have consumed Tennessee basketball this year. So Carson Edwards is an incredible player. Like so, tip of the cap to him. You were you were right about that. Like I, I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think he could stay that hot, but the kid's ridiculous. And then Ryan Klein just goes off and like hits seven threes, and like it was that was that was an incredible game to watch. And like at one point Tennessee being down by twenty five, and it was. It was a lot of fun to watch. What pissed me off about that entire game was I enjoy watching Tennessee too, and, and like this group specifically. Like I, Auburn is more fun to watch when they're hot, like because they're just constantly making shots, a lot more action involved. I would agree with that. However, 
like Tennessee, this group, and again, not a Tennessee fan or anything like that, but there's every once in a while, Peter Burns talking about this, like his favorite groups to cover. And like, this mm-hmm. was, this kind of had the feel of like a 2014, like Ole Miss or Mississippi State team, like in football, or just every once in a while, you had this like specific group of guys that are that just special that for whatever reason, like universally accepted across the conference. Like they just, like maybe don't like them, but they, everyone respects them. And that obviously was in place, I think, this year at Tennessee. What made me mad about that was when you go to the end of that game, and I've, I've already bitched about how I hated how how much these officials have inserted themselves into games in in the tournament. It's you love you love crow hopping. It is. It makes that. it's That's your favorite. I just yeah, that part is the is the worst. But it's like, and I don't know everything about basketball. I definitely don't know how to referee a basketball game at all. What I don't understand is how there have been so many calls made by by someone so far away and we've had to like overturn several calls. And, and in this specific instance, what bothered me about it was not the foul. He made contact with him. Did he kick his leg out? Yes. Yes, he absolutely did. And, and if you don't believe that Lamont Turner had the comment after the game and he said, I told that referee all game, he's kicking his leg out. I can't get into him. I, like he's kicking his leg out. He's kicking his leg out. Never said a word back about it. What pisses me off about that is when not only did he get fouled and they're, they're down two, right? He got fouled for three, and they make that call. In that moment, you cannot make that call. You absolutely cannot make that call in that moment. And you gave that kid, who's one of the best shooters in the country, the opportunity to end that game and this season for Tennessee in regulation because of free throws. That is That cannot happen at that stage. I didn't think it was a foul. And I know a lot of people come on and say, it I wasn't watched a foul. replay. He didn't let him land. I To me... I, I don't make that call in that spot. No. It's not clear enough to where you're like, yeah, you definitely have to make this. It's, it's vi- like he didn't make maybe, maybe, maybe it, when you slow it down and look at it. But in real time, I didn't think it looked like a foul at all. He didn't make contact with any thing. part of his upper body. Didn't Klein take like six seconds inbounding the ball too, or was that the part <laughs> of my confusing plays or something? like I don't that? know. But it, that that call specifically again was like, and and yeah, again credit Purdue, they did what it took to win, but. That moment, it just that sucked, man. It was tough to watch that that Tennessee team go out because I think they kind of, in, in a way, they sort of represented this rise of of, of SEC basketball in the last couple of years, and, and the conference is getting a lot more national relevancy with these programs who don't necessarily have a ton of history, yeah. but now you know have been able to to do some some things on the big stage, and now Auburn is really the the total embodiment of that. So. I, I think that, you know, Rick Barnes, the, the thing I hate about that is Rick Barnes was going to get slammed the second he lost, unless yeah. they were playing in a national championship. And even then, he, maybe he would have gotten just totally ripped because of the fact that he underachieved at Texas, and that was what he did. He just he would get to the Sweet 16, and then he would lose, or he would get to the second round and then get upset. And no matter how that game was going to end, he was going to get blasted. And you could point to any coach. You could point to Matt Painter at several points in that game and say, what are you doing? Matt Painter, how are you not calling a timeout when Tennessee is going on this like 14-1 to run right, right now? <laughs> so every coach, and I hate that Rick Barnes is going to be, like a lot of people are going to be very salty about that, and the national narrative with him is, ah, Rick Barnes chokes again when his team was the better seed they were the favorite i don't like that because i think the the ability that he's been able to to maximize this 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 group with it is just it's one of the best coaching jobs i've seen in recent memory in college basketball and that shouldn't be discounted because tennessee didn't make it as far as we maybe could have thought no i agree and and like and again i don't want to say that the game was necessarily taken away from him at the end i just thought in that moment you cannot absolutely cannot make that call but it's about rick barnes i mean that is a little bit ridiculous because like you, how many how many tournaments have we watched when you see like Davidson goes on the run with Seth Curry? Like you can prepare all you want. You only get like a day to do it. <laughs> you advance to the next round, but like you can prepare all you want. Sometimes there's just not an answer for 
for players. And Carson Edwards was that guy. Like, Virginia is one of – I think Virginia has the the best overall defense in the country. Like, they average giving up, like, less than 55 or 57 points per game. And look what he did to them, single-handedly. So, yeah, and, and, and Ryan Klein also. Jesus. Ryan Klein got in a Reggie Miller-like zone. That Stupid. was ridiculous. That wasn't even fair. Um, and go figure that he couldn't buy a bucket against Virginia, of course. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what does this all mean for the SEC? We were interested in that subject coming into the week with four SEC teams in the Sweet 16. We talked about the fact that that was the third time that that had ever happened and what it was going to take for this feeling like a success for the SEC. And I think the number that we threw out there was uh, originally was three teams in the Elite Eight, a team in the National Championship, and winning a National Championship. Um, And SEC didn't get three teams in the Elite Eight. I, I would argue that the, the biggest disappointment from the SEC standpoint, because obviously Auburn and Kentucky was an elimination game, there's nothing you can do about that. But I think Tennessee was kind of the, I, I, don't, I don't even know if letdown is the way to, to phrase it, but Tennessee winning was what could have pushed this over the yeah. top, obviously. And then if we're talking about a Tennessee-Auburn rematch in the national semifinals, how incredible that could have been. Um, but that, that to me is the... Or Tennessee, Kentucky. Yeah. yeah, I mean Tennessee, Kentucky would have been great. A lot of people had that. Did you have that picked in your bracket? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, that would have been a lot of fun to see as well. But I, I give LSU a little bit of a pass because I think LSU did its part. I think LSU just winning yeah. two games and getting to the second weekend and playing a really good Michigan State team. Yeah, you were right about Michigan State. I'll say that. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> yeah, like, well, Gosh. like, and you look at like the depth concerns for Michigan State. It was shocking to see what they were able to do especially early at LSU. I, so that game was really frustrating because that's what kicked off Friday night. And I don't think I've ever seen LSU this season look that lost and and just, I mean, yeah, I think lost is the best way to put it. I mean, constantly out. It was like Michigan State had six guys on the court. They just constantly somebody open, constantly getting out-rebounded. Like, it was, it was bad. And especially the way that LSU came out the first two games. Yeah. Where they just get out to these big leads. And then against Michigan State, it was like, oh, wait, what's going on? And then... I thought in the second half when uh, Tremont Waters gets gets really, Early on. really hot, and it's like, okay, this LSU is making its run right now. This this game is just going to follow a different flow. Right. And then within like 30 seconds of, of him going on this run, Michigan State was already back up to a double-digit lead. It was, yeah. At that point, it's just like, okay, this isn't going to happen. You're not even exaggerating when you say that. It was like almost exactly 30 seconds. They, like LSU opened on a 10-2 run, and then Michigan State answers right back with like another 10-2 or 10-0 run. Yeah, so LSU, in my opinion, did its part um, just to, in terms of like representing the SEC brand and you know being able to do something that a lot of people, myself included, didn't think they can do. Yeah, they 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 were they had a successful tournament, and you know we'll see how this thing plays out. But I think if you're an LSU fan, you look back on this, and you know you, you feel good about what your team was able yeah. to do, all things considered. So um, yeah, and I already threw out that stat about this being the second time that the SEC has had two teams face off in the Elite Eight or later. Right. Uh, in the last 30 years, that is, because this happened in 2017 with South Carolina and Florida facing off in the Elite Eight. Um, isn't it funny, though, that the SEC championship uh, in football determines a playoff spot, basically? And this Auburn-Kentucky yeah. game, no other conference had anything like that. And I think that's kind of cool in, in multiple itself. Sports. It, good point, good point. And we know what's going to happen in baseball. Did it happen, in, it, like, happened two years ago in the College World Series? Yeah. Boom, I think, there you go. Yeah. I think it's it. South Carolina and... No, I think it was LSU, Florida. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. So, basically, the SEC owns every single sport. Everything. And don't forget yeah. Kentucky's rifle team beat Army. Which, is, I mean, not says says a lot about our country, but I'm just saying. 
Still but good. don't forget, I I, th- I appreciate you saying that because I had already forgotten. Yeah, you're welcome. I think everybody had. Let's do some over-unders for Auburn and Virginia. These are early, early over-unders. I want everyone to be like on just – I want everyone to know right now, Virginia is absolutely miserable to watch, so you need to go in with that expectation. Number one defense in the country, God, in case you haven't heard. So awful. So – Bruce Pearl right now is kind of this uh, this national darling. I think he's been that way for for a little bit. It's a weird sentence to so say, weird. and all my people, all my people back in the Midwest know that Bruce Pearl is not well liked everywhere. I'll just say that. No, uh, which, he, like, he didn't leave. On it's his not own just accord. a Tennessee thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not just the Tennessee thing. It's it, there. There are other things with Bruce Pearl. Having said that, how many feel good stories are there going to be about Bruce Pearl, him changing and? I, I set the over-under. These are national stories. I set the over-under at 12.5. A thousand. A th- We're going to get like four from The Athletic. Oh, my God. Uh, three from Sports Illustrated. It's hard not to Yahoo. pull for a guy like Bruce Pearl. And you're like, what? what? Like, like it's, it's it's only weird. Like, I don't think what he did was egregious or anything like that by any means. He's a great coach, and he's a very likable, personable guy. But it's just funny to me that you look at... It, like and I'm I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying it's funny and a little bit ironic when you think of the climate of college basketball where it's at right now. When you have this like ongoing FBI investigation, uh, like specifically about coaches doing like stuff that was not legal, basically, and that's to an extent why he had to leave the other school. And like, God, man, Bruce Pearl is just—he's so great. He cares all. He's that's like, what it comes down what? to. <laughs> Yeah, and and I saw you know we love our guy Frank Fowler over there. Oh yeah, uh, doing he, he's a producer for SEC this morning. Um, he thinks we I'm love rich. Frank. We have fun with him. He thinks you're rich. He comments about me being on my yacht all the time. I'm like, what are you, dude? What are you talking? What are you? I don't you should have just gone. I don't with have it. a car. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but Frank threw out the tweet of, "Is there a more universally? It was something to the effect of, is there a more universally liked coach in college basketball than Bruce Pearl?'" He said he's the most likable coach in the SEC. Most. In the SEC? Is that all he yeah. said was just in the SEC? Yeah. Even that, I'm like, you know... There's a man named Ed. Ed Norton yeah. Orgeron. I don't know his middle name, but... it's It should definitely be Norton. He's like, oh, he's up there. I was like, yeah, at the top, bro. At the top, bro. And uh, Mark Stoops, by the way. Yeah, so, that actually plays yeah. that plays well. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, but along the same lines, okay, so Bruce Pearl is in a very, very different spot than Tony Bennett because Tony Bennett has been this guy who just can't get over the hump at Virginia. He's 90 years he did, old. Hell of a career. He's, we're, Marla, we're thinking of the wrong Tony Bennett's again. Uh, that was bad. I don't know any songs. The one who does the stuff with uh, with Lady Gaga, right? And Barbara Streisand, probably. That's, that's right. Okay. Uh, this Tony Bennett, I think there will be a, a ton of feel-good stories written about him because getting all this, this attention for being a onesie that... You know, on a yearly basis, and then finally getting Dude. there. So real quick, can we please talk about UMBC's Twitter? Oh, it was great. That was, was legendary. So if you haven't good. seen it, please get on Twitter. Just type in UMBC. It's University of Maryland, Baltimore County. The 16 seed that beat them last year, they gave this very sarcastic gif of like Leo DiCaprio in, what is it, Great Gatsby? He's like, Great Gatsby, cheers, because yeah. they finally got to the Final Four. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, everybody knows uh, who UMBC is at this point because 14 of 10 would boop. Just saying. There you go. Um, I think there's going to be a ton of a ton of feel good stories written about Tony Bennett. I set the over under at 9.5. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I guess I will not read any of them, so I'm gonna I'll say over probably. Thank you. All right. <laughs> that did not inspire you very much. I mean, they're not going to talk. They're not going to do one, any of them about about Tom Izzo. 
Oh, they will. Oh, they will. Yeah, because Izzo hasn't got back there in a few years. That's going to be the, the even it, people are already forgetting about the fact that he covered up sexual assaults at you know at his program. Yeah, yeah. People, people are forgetting I, about I, that. I yeah, I, I haven't. That's, I don't understand how this happened. Winning cures all. That's how it happens. Broadcasters referencing Auburn shooters adjusting to the NFL stadium, and this could be pregame. What this could be mean? during the game. So whenever a team goes to the Final Four and there's like a bad shooting performance, it's always, oh, because the backdrop, it's a totally different backdrop because you're playing in an NFL stadium. I set the over-under at that at 3.5. I'm going to say under because I don't think they're going to have any problems shooting the ball. Maybe they won't. Bryce Brown's yeah, putting up like in between, um, I think it was like last weekend, like he just went home like with his dad after practice and put up like 450 shots after practice. It shows. Yeah. Yeah, he can pretty much hit it from anywhere. Uh, that's, that's such a... A very like popular topic yeah. of discussion. It's almost like a little out that the announcers give them when the game starts off. Like it's seventeen fourteen at the under four right. in the first half, and you're like, "All right, well, remember no. like UConn and Butler a few years ago when it, they just couldn't hit a shot?" And you're just like, "Why are Why are we doing this right now? Could we just end <laughs> this game and get two different teams to play?" I hope it's like I hope it's just that CBS guy with those commercials, that awkward awkward commentator. And I hope, it, I hope it's just him saying, like, well, it seems like the teams are having a hard time shooting the ball because they're depressed as hell being in Minneapolis. Don't hit on Minneapolis. It is the Shreveport of the North. I don't know. Actually, that could not. That might not be true. I don't know. I've never been. Not the Shreveport. Come on. They got, like, actual like professional sports teams. That is true. That, stuff, that is true. Of. Quick question for you. What is a worse this, – this isn't an over-under or anything. I'm just curious because we've watched a ton of basketball at this point. What is the worst commercial? The the okay announcer, the guy who's like, oh, I don't want to talk about my days as a I player. I think that guy's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's the worst. What's worse, that or the orange vanilla Coke? The uh, orange vanilla Coke, which I've heard tastes taste okay. But, I, like, first off, this I'm glad you brought this up, Connor. This pisses me off because let's not sit here and pretend like Coke are just geniuses because they came up with three different flavors to like, put. They already had vanilla Coke, which is okay. People forgot about it. It was like 15 years ago. Then you put orange in there. That doesn't entice me to go drink. Putting more crap into your drink doesn't make me necessarily want to drink it more. It just... And, like, again, this is not, like, some genius move. This is, like, what every seven-year-old that's ever been to, a, like, a, a buffet ever has done at the Coke machine. Just made a little suicide and just pressed every single button. Really, really makes me mad. I'm so happy that I got you. <laughs> just, it just oh, it makes great. no sense. Like, a seven-year-old like, could have come and be like, check this out, Mom. I made it up. It's got everything in it. Oh, we'll start marketing that. We'll say it 78 times. Over, under, orange, vanilla, Coke commercials uh, for the Final Four. I'm going to set it at 450. It's got to be over. I also heard it's delicious. So, Yeah. No, okay. I'm not going to buy into that. Uh, I'm team no no soda, no pop, whatever you, you want to call it. Well, I don't uh, think anybody that, that like. listens to this podcast says pop, so I'll <laughs> <laughs> Good point. All right. Over, under on mentions of Okiki's injury, I set it at 8.5. This is just on the broadcast. I would say over. I mean, like, because beforehand they're going to get him on up. the sideline. Yeah, if you get him on the sideline, they're going to show him a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, it, with the wheelchair, and they're going to. I would tend to think that you know, even just when they wheeled him out at the, I think it was at the under sixteen <laughs> for the Kentucky game, they probably showed it more than eight and a half times. Dude, that was like I understand. I'm not trying to make fun of like what happened at all because it was it was cool, but that had just the feel for me of every time. Stone Cold Steve Austin was like backstage when he wasn't supposed to be at WWF. Like they were just like, "By God, Okiki's coming in the chair!" Like they're just like wheeling him in. I, I don't know why. Just that's exactly what it looked like to me. Equally inspiring too. It was. Yeah. 
How many studio shots of Charles Barkley freaking out are we going to get during this game? I set the over-under at 10. That's once every TV timeout. I, I, I'm going to say... I'm going to say under because I think everyone's kind of gets it at this point. Like, like they even brought, they kept saying today, they're like, we get it. Like your team is doing well, but like you've turned into a complete fan and not like, not like an actual, like, I don't know, not journalist, but you know what I mean? I was interesting. I saw Greg McElroy. Some people were uh, chirping him. Like, why can't you be right. like this Bama fan? Which is interesting considering the Greg McElroy discussion we had about him tweeting about Luke Del Rio and we didn't need that, you know, you know, you don't need that type of type of stuff, even though yeah. McElroy prides himself on being neutral. Um, but I think that it's it is interesting that that Chuck is able to to kind of be this personality, be this fan on TV. And I, I, I think it's entertaining. You know, with because it's different that it's Auburn. Yeah. If it was somebody like Kenny Smith with UNC, oh, like right. sitting there watching somebody, you know, root on Kansas, it's like, all right, who cares? Yeah, well, but, it's different because like, it's Charles Barkley. Yeah, Charles that, Barkley's had a part pretty bad gambling problem. Like, I've, I've seen Charles Barkley come into a bar I used to work at, like, like not sober. He's, he was the man. Like, he was just, he was just, he'd had a very fun night. And he was like, I got 30 grand on this game or something crazy. And it was like, he's just cool as can be, man. He's like a guy you, you would definitely just want to hang out with. And he's just, you know, like, makes no bones about it, announces, you know, all the time, like just any of his vices, like he—he's so personal and relatable because he's so authentic. So I think that's that's the biggest reason. You know how they do the coaches cam when they they bring the coaches in the room for the college football playoff. Let's just get to the let's just get to that with with. Oh Chuck. yeah, I mean let's just have it on a separate CBS, you know, whatever CBS extra channel there is or something. Yeah. Like that. Put it on TBS or something. Um, let's get let's get a, a a cam on Chuck the entire time. Yeah. I, better not. You know what? Let's just give him the Truman Show. Let's just. Everybody can follow him around the entire time. Maybe he lives like a half much. mile from over here. We see him in the Publix all the time. Does he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because tournament. That's right. Okay. Um, speaking of NBA legends, how many times are we going to see Ralph Sampson? Now, keep in mind, Ralph Sampson's like seven foot four. So even when they're not trying to show him on TV, the former Virginia great, they're going to show him on TV. I set the over-under at 6.5. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen him at all. I'm going to say under. I'm gonna say I watch them. I've, I've watched a lot of Virginia. Virginia. Like I've, I've yeah, been watching Virginia against Purdue. That was it, though. Oh, okay. I was also yeah, took out all day, so I don't remember seeing Ralph Sampson. Yeah, they're gonna show him a ton. Yeah, but not as much as Chuck, but like they'll they'll get to him and then they'll show the flashback shots of oh, this is the last time that Virginia was you know in the national championship board if they get there. Right. If they right. get their Auburn. Fans. No, I get that. Yeah, I, that's true. Let's do some way too early predictions. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying we have the right to flip-flop if we want <laughs> because this is we're here to the moment. We're really caught up in this right now. We're predicting games that are five days in advance. I was surprised to see that Virginia opened as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That seems way too much. I was surprised that Virginia shot the ball as well, they, as well as they did against Purdue. But Purdue's defense isn't exactly, you know, locked down. Um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take Auburn. All day. I mean, this is a very good defense, and they're very frustrating. So if, if something happens early, like we saw with Jared Harper, who got in foul trouble early against in that Kentucky game, or that, um, what do you call it, the Tennessee game, uh, in the SEC, like SEC championship, that could be, that could probably factor in. But I, I like Auburn to cover. I just don't get why Virginia is giving a touchdown here. And, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about football. It's five and a half I, points. What are you talking about giving a touchdown? Yeah, basically a touchdown. Basically six points. That's that's the way my brain still operates. 
I, I don't get why why Vegas is still doubting Auburn. I, I think that, that that line is going to move to where it's it'll move in the opposite direction that the Kentucky line yeah. did, where the Kentucky line started at 2.5 and then it ended at 4.5. Right. And I was surprised that it even got to that point just because of how much Kentucky was struggling offensively, and they still needed P.J. Washington to play that well to put up that you know those kind of points. But Virginia is not a team that lights it up offensively, as everybody knows. So five and a half points just seems like a lot. I don't no, know. No, they are a team for... that is just dominant defensively. Like I, I know Oregon's not you know prolific on offense, but they held them to forty nine points. They they have been their defense is so frustratingly good. I, you know, if if guys is doing well from the outside, he can hit some threes. Like they they are tough to beat. But you know. I, 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 five and a half points does seem like a lot, considering how like they, if you look at their their season as a whole, well they they've lost like three games. They lost to whoever it was, uh, um, was it Florida State in the SEC or the ACC cha- or semifinals, and they mm-hmm. they had uh, two losses to Duke. So it's an incredible resume, but like the way they've been playing, really outside of like that second half against Purdue, I I mean it's not been that great. And doesn't it seem like we said that about UNC and then yep. Auburn just kind of blew them out of the water? So I, I, I don't get that line. I'm not saying that that Auburn is going to – I'm not going to definitively say that Auburn is going to win this game. I'll maybe save that for, for Wednesday. But, yeah, to me, five and a half is just way, way, way too What's much. What's the over-under? Because that's the best. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Let me let me pull that up right now, actually. Um, because it's the contrast in styles is going to probably make that over under a lot more like mainstream. Maybe, maybe it's at like, I don't know. Well, it was at one twenty six for the, um, for the, no, it wasn't one twenty six. It was at one thirty one or something like that. I want to say, or maybe it was at one twenty seven. It was, it was, I'm sorry. It was at one twenty seven for the Purdue game. And that, that was an absolute lock. I was going to say like one twenty eight was going to be my guess. And, uh, looking at it, yeah, one thirty and a half. Yeah, get all over that. that. Take the over. Yeah, yeah. I would I would take the over just because like just all the different ways that Auburn has found ways to put up points. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable, and they've just defended so. I mean, they've defended really well in you know during this streak, and that's probably the thing that gets lost in the shuffle more so. But I yeah, I, I do think that Auburn's going to be able to put up some points against Virginia. I'd be stunned if they just got blown out of the water. Okay, so we have our early predictions. Really fun Auburn podcast today, Connor. It's. I know this has been hard for you, but you're getting through it, and I appreciate it. Something that you do want to talk about. The Final Four is set for college basketball. It is also set for our office brackets. Yes. As of right now, if you're listening to this on Monday morning, you can still vote. You still have time to vote in our Final Four. If you have not seen the matchups, here they are. We've got number one seed Dinner Party, the prohibitive favorite, against number two, the Dundies. We've also got... On the other side, number two, Threat Level Midnight against number two, The Injury. Well, let's go through this real quick, though, for a second, because let's not gloss over it. The Dundies beat Niagara. Very impressed. Very impressed that the Dundies did that. People are nostalgic for The Office. They definitely are. Yeah, and then on top of that, the finale got beat by Threat Level Midnight, which... Threat Level Midnight's funny. I'm surprised... I think people are forgetting that... that, that, I don't know. I'm surprised that one. I'll say that. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. And then the injury beat Mike's last Dundies, which that kind of makes sense to me. I'm fine with that one. But it was it was crazy because you talk about this whole bracket we had. There's like all these like higher-rated seeds of just winning out the whole time. But then you finally get to the Elite Eight, and hell, man, three number ones are gone. 
just like the actual NCAA yeah. tournament, follow the same exact thing where there's only one one seed left, yeah. interestingly enough. I am very impressed that uh, the injury has done as well as it has because it hasn't just been getting by. It hasn't just been They're winning these close games. It's been doing the Auburn thing. It's been dominating. And I, I've, I've said, and we'll talk about this more when we do our, our pod strictly for this but I have long since said that my two favorite, my all-time favorite episodes are Dinner Party and The Injury. The Injury is good, man. Like the, the Injury is like, there's just so many little parts of that that because everyone, when you think about The Injury, everyone just thinks about the, the fact that like he cooked his foot. But there's so many other parts like Dwight's concussion and just like, that whole interaction with Pam and then in the backseat, like you can't fire me. I don't work in this van. Um, the Injury is, I, I I forgot how truly good that episode was. Um Threat level midnight, I'm just, again, I'm surprised about. But, yeah, when you look at these numbers, like, the Dundies over Niagara is, like, 56 to 44. They were all pretty close, like, 55-45 for that finale. And then the injury, 54 to 46. But, like, right now, um, what's crazy, too, by the way, is we've only had this up for three hours, and it already has more votes than it had in the last round. Wow. Yeah. So, if you, like, right now, in this moment, on uh, Sunday night, so this will be obscure and, and irrelevant tomorrow morning when you listen to this, Dinner party is up sixty-three to thirty-seven, sixty-three percent, thirty-seven percent, twelve hundred and eighteen votes, and then threat level midnight in the injury, fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent in favor of the injury. It's eleven hundred and fifty-eight votes wow. involved. That's going to be a nail biter. I, I'm really excited to see the way that this plays out because uh, I, I think that for all the, as we said, for all the flack that we took for the seating, and we're gonna we're gonna talk. Don't worry, we're gonna talk about stress relief. We'll, we'll get there. Everybody listening who's still upset about that getting a three seed and all that, the the fact that we ended up having a final four with uh, nobody worse than a two seed, I think is a credit to us. Yeah, I think so, we did a pretty good job. <laughs> so we did, I think we did all right. I think we did all right. And I don't think the seating's really impacted people that much no. because if you're voting in this, you're probably really really passionate about your your certain episodes. Right. And I think that we you know we tried to take in what other people were, were going to think about these in addition to what we thought about them. Yeah. I mean, credit credit to us. Big old pat on the back for yeah. doing a good job. We killed it. So I mean your prediction, dinner party and the injury, right? That's that's my prediction, yeah. What about you? I mean I think no nothing's gonna stop dinner party. I'm really surprised at how well the Dundies has done. Um, I think people love the it's the idea of it. Yeah, they love the idea of it because it's it's one of those all-inclusive episodes where everybody's together and it has this first real moment of Pam and Jim. Yeah. Pam is Pam gets super super hammered and yeah. by the end of it she kisses Jim and it's like oh this this it's the first time where you're like oh this could actually happen for him. They kind of God puts and that little. <laughs> And then Stanley, why does Stanley say appetizers? That, okay, that, that has never been me. discussed. That like we need more appetizers. <laughs> like, like you are. That made no sense to me. How they? What is he British? What again? That was know. absurd that he said that. And no one ever made a comment about it. I, I don't know. I think, I think the reason the Dundies. I'll just be honest with you. Is the only reason it's doing well. It's gone by this far, is because it's a recurring theme throughout the show. And I think people are just being like, oh, the Dundies is so cool. Like, at, like just in general, not just this episode. That's and yeah. Talk about a symbolic victory it could be for dinner party where, you know, obviously we have Jan throwing the Dundee. Yeah. That would basically be what could happen if the dinner party makes this. Plasma television, man. That is incredible. <laughs> Good luck paying for that. Yeah, make sure you guys oh, get gosh. out there and vote for that. Um it's 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 been a lot of fun. So I hate to see it come to an end. It has been a lot of fun. Please, please continue voting. I'm not sure when we're gonna do that pod yet because however long it takes me to figure out how to make graphics for it. Yeah, we have. Uh, we're not going to do it on Wednesday because Wednesday 
get ready for this. We got our good friend Mark Stoops. Yeah, that's right. Kentucky football yeah. coach. Talked to, talked about some arm sleeve tattoos. Talked about opening up with a bank with, with Bo Pelini. Talked about some, talked about Gronk. some good old Cash Daniel. Some Gronk. We, we got into some really, really good stuff with Mark Stoops. We're excited for that to come out on Wednesday. We're going to have a Final Four-related podcast next Sunday that's going to come out on Monday as well, kind of based on what happens with Auburn. If Auburn lays an egg and loses on Saturday and it's just an ugly game, maybe instead of just talking about Auburn, we'll just do our office pod. Maybe we can do that. Yeah, either way, I'm in. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in after today. So, Yeah, we have good stuff uh, coming your way. Make sure that you are following us on all of our social media accounts on Twitter, at the SDS pod, at CMarlerSDS, at CJ O'Gara, on Instagram, at SDS. Uh, you got Facebook Live Monday night, 8.30. If you picked up a new hobby to do on Monday night, or are you still sticking with that 8.30 time? Uh, no, still 8.30. And luckily this week, uh, Ali will be back because last week, again, Queso, um, he made an appearance sitting on the couch and was a nightmare to deal with. It was just running around everywhere. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. That picture of you with Queso, if anybody has not seen this picture of Marler and Queso, I'm convinced that you hired a body double, you're, you've, you've found some sort of secret filter. That's the best, that, that's your peak. That's the best picture you're going to take of yourself right there in, what are you in your t- life. No. I, that picture is, is on the money. Thank you. I, and that, that's, I think it's a that's very, the, very roundabout way of giving me a compliment. I appreciate that. It was. It, it is meant to be a compliment. I, I say that. But it, like the light's just hitting you perfectly, and I don't mean to bro out too much, but I was like, dang. Marler got like the perfect shot. That's Wait, like you talking the about the perfect... one, the one from, like when I'm in the Red Sox stuff. Yeah. Oh Chase yeah, that's, that's I thought you were talking about just like the from the, from the what do you call it? Yeah, that's a great, that's a fantastic picture. Yeah. Yeah, I think you that. should put that on on your your profile pics for for the rest. of the I time, jokingly I asked Facebook, I was like, I would love to have this made as an oil painting, and I was obviously kidding because I don't even know what that blank and oil painting is, and I don't know, it's also not like the 1930s, so why would I have an oil painting? And I had several people like, recommend somebody. He's like, oh, you say oil painting? <laughs> what the? Yeah, yeah. You guys look at me and know that I've got that kind of disposable income that I just want to throw out some oil painting money for, for me and my dog. I, I probably would. Birthday's All coming right, up. So, so next time that you guys are hearing from us, Marler is going to have an oil painting <laughs> himself. Connor, just keep but talking. I cannot move right now. With me painting. But it's, it's, until then... Please, please continue to consume all things SDS for all of your college basketball and spring football needs. We're going to talk about spring football on Wednesday. Coach Joe, you in the house? Oh, I hear them. Might mean too much. It might mean too much. on Wednesday. <laughs>